Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. As you are making your way uh, back to your seats and getting situated, uh, just want to again start off and wish uh, all the moms a happy Mother's Day uh, and also acknowledge, as we said earlier, that this is a difficult day for some because some people are struggling with the loss of a really good mom in their life. Some people are struggling because they couldn't be moms. Uh, But what God desires is that we would all see him as the eternal, not just father figure, but parental figure. I want to share a verse before we jump into our uh, series that we're doing for the book of Isaiah. This is what God says in Isaiah 66. He says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her, meaning Jerusalem, like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. This is the amplified version because it takes out and expands on some of the language. But then he says this, Then you will be nursed, you will be carried on her hip and trotted, lovingly bounced up and down on her, God's maternal knees, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. And no, this doesn't mean God is a woman. It's what God is saying is that just like a woman nurses and cares for and nurtures a child, that's what God desires to do for all of us, for all of humanity. Um, So as we continue walking through our series, uh, we're doing a series called I Have a Friend Who Says, where we're looking at things that people say about God or the Bible that... uh, to equip us to have a logical, respectful response to some of their questions. Because there's a lot of people that are questioning the Bible and questioning their faith. And the topic that we're looking at this morning is just really an appropriate one to talk about this morning. uh, Because this morning, we're talking about, I have a friend who says the Bible is demeaning to women. Now, has anyone ever heard someone say that? No, you guys have. Okay. I've heard lots of people say that and get so many requests from people online who say, like, the Bible doesn't treat women well. And, uh, and this is aside from the whole abortion thing that's going on right now. It's just people who say that the way that women are treated in the Bible is not good, which is not actually true because, um, spoiler alert, that's, that's not what the Bible depicts. Uh, it doesn't depict that women are mistreated by God, it depicts the ugly truth that men and women are demeaning to women. That that we as human beings don't treat one another the best the way we should. Um, And that's because we violate just God's moral law, which we'll talk again more about that next week. Uh, But there are so many times where if you look throughout scripture, um, God isn't demeaning to women. Uh, he protects them, he encourages them, he loves them, and he lifts them up, right? Which is kind of what everyone's doing this morning from Mother's Day. Uh, so we're going to look at the life of one woman in Scripture. Um, she's kind of like a footnote in everyone else's story, right? Because most people know, how many people are familiar with Abraham in the Bible? Yeah, Abraham, we all know him. He's the patriarch. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob had 12 children. They became the children of Israel, right? Uh, And so how many people are familiar with Abraham's wife, Sarai, or Sarah? Yeah, most of us are familiar with Sarah because she's Abraham's wife. So she was kind of like the matriarch of the culture. 
but not too many people. Some people, how many people are familiar with Hagar? A couple. Okay, yeah. Uh, she's kind of like a footnote in the story, uh, and most people don't pay attention to her life, and most people actually use her as an example of how the Bible depicts people being mistreated. But again, the Bible does what the news does. If you turn on the news and they're talking about a store just got robbed, they're not encouraging us to go out and rob a store. They're just saying, here's what's happened. In the same way, the Bible depicts the ugly truth when men and women are demeaning to women, but then God will usually come and say, that's not the way it's supposed to be. All right, so uh, I'm going to walk through a lot of verses and put all the verses up here on screen, but if you want to follow along, it's Bible on your table somewhere. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 20, um, if you want to follow along. But all the verses are going to be up here on the screen. Genesis chapter 12, this, is, this starts the story of Hagar. There was a famine in the land, and Abram, who is Abraham, uh, went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Now, when he went down to Egypt, he took his family with him. He, had, he didn't have a whole lot. He had a couple of servants with him and, and all that stuff. But he was going to a foreign land. And when he went there, before he entered, he said to his wife, his wife, he said, hey, when we get there, I want you to tell the people, not that I'm your husband, but that I'm your brother, because they're going to look at you and see how gorgeous you are. And they're going to want to take you for themselves, but they're going to kill me to do it. If they know I'm your husband... They'll kill me to take you. If they think I'm your brother, they'll just take you. Okay? So before we get into anywhere else, this is not God being demeaning to women. This is a man being demeaning to women. Because I, I, I don't like to speak on behalf of people, but I will. I don't think there's any husbands here who would say to their wives, Hey, pretend to be my sister so that when other people see how gorgeous you are, there's a compliment in there, but when other people see how gorgeous you are, they're just going to take you, but they'll let me live. Right? That, that, that's not the role of the husband, to sacrifice the wife so that I like, can persevere. It's to be a protector to the wife and to encourage her. But that's not what we see here. Uh, so here's what happens next. They end up going down. Uh, they went into Egypt. And when Pharaoh's, just like what Abraham said, when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, and male and female servants and camels. And it is likely, the Bible doesn't say it specifically, this is where they acquired Hagar. She was one of the, uh, she was, uh, the word servant there is a word that means, it means handmaiden, but it also means uh, kind of like a servant. And we don't know Hagar's story. We don't know if maybe she didn't have parents. She was Egyptian, as we'll find out. So it's not like her, the Egyptians conquered some other land and took her into slavery. Uh, she was an Egyptian, but it's likely that maybe her parents died or she didn't have a godly mother, or she didn't have parents, or maybe she grew up and she was like, you know what, uh, I had enough of my parents, I'm old enough, I'm going to strike out on my own, and it didn't work out. And she ended up on the streets, and then she had to sell herself as a slave, a servant. Whatever her case was, she ended up as a servant in the house of Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh ended up giving her 
to Abram when he took Abraham's wife. And again, none of this is what God condones. Because what we see here is, is, is they're like, hey, we, we kind of understand the covenant of marriage, but we don't necessarily respect human life. So we're going to just treat people like cattle. And that attitude and the way they treat people gets transferred over as we're about to see. So in Genesis chapter 16, this is what it says. Sarai, that's Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarah said. Now, here's the thing that we have to understand, right? First and foremost, um, she said the Lord has kept me from having children, which is not true. God just said, hey, at the appointed time, you're going to have children. But they got tired of waiting on God, and they decided to do things their own way. And this, this is actually the equivalent of trafficking. And it, it, it's, it's worse because it's the people of God treating Hagar this way. They literally put her in a predicament where she had no choice but to become the wife of, of like, somebody else. And this is, this is not the way that the people of God should treat other people. If anything, what should have happened is when Hagar came into their household, then Sarai should have said, hey, I don't know what happened to you in Egypt, but as long as you're in this household, we're going to love you, we're going to respect you, we're going to say, yes, you're going to work for us, but you're going to be treated with respect and the honor that you were due because that's what God does for us. That's what should have happened. But as we see, that's not what happened. And here's, here's the reality. Where do you think Sarah probably learned that it's okay to treat people like that? Probably because that's how Abraham treated her when he allowed her to go into the house of Pharaoh instead of standing up for her. He treated her like an object. So when someone came into Sarah's house, Sarah's mentality was, hey, I can treat this person like an object. But that's not, again, what God condones or the way that God tells us to treat people. Then this, so after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. So again, there's respect for the covenant of marriage, like, hey, I can't just give her to you and have you sleep with her because that would be immoral. But there's no respect for her as a person. To even ask her, is this what you want to do? Or to even, to even say, hey, uh, let's treat you with the honor and respect that you deserve. I'm going to put verse 4 in the amplified version because it kind of amplifies the language. It says, and he, Abraham, had intercourse with Hagar. She became pregnant. And when she saw that she was with child, she looked with contempt upon her mistress and despised her. So, here, so Sarah says, hey, God's keeping me from having children, which is not the truth. And so she decides, I'm going to objectify Hagar and mistreat her and force you to go marry my husband. And then when Hagar gets pregnant, she turns around and she despises and mistreats Sarah. And where do you think she learned that it's okay to mistreat people like that? Because of the way that she was treated. 
Again, which is why next week we're going to talk more about understanding God's morals and what the way that he says that we're supposed to treat people. But then it goes on. Uh, she, she gets mistreated. Uh, she complains to Abraham. He says, hey, your slave is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreats Hagar, so she fled from her. Again, there's just this cycle of toxic behavior, of, 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 of just mistreating people, to the point where she ends up leaving. And here's the reality. The people of God, they're not supposed to be the people that you run from because of the way they're treating you. They're supposed to be the people that you come to and expect to be treated with love and honor and respect. But that's, again, not what we see here. And again, not any of this is condoned by God. It's one thing when you see people treating one another who have no morals, who have, I don't care, it's all about me. It's worse when the people who claim to love God are the ones mistreating people. And there are people in our circles of influence, the people online, the people in the stores. And I, I had this conversation with, with Mark. Uh, he's our, well, he was our teaching pastor. Uh, now he's pastor of another church. Um, we went out to lunch before he accepted his call at the church he just started at. And we went up to that community. It's in Ohio pile. And we prayed for the church. We prayed for the congregation. Uh, we drove through the town praying for the people. And then we stopped for lunch. And we had a conversation that actually, again, started with Glenn and Stacy, uh, where we were talking about how church people treat wait staff in restaurants, especially on Sundays. And so we asked the waitress there, we were like, hey, can we ask you a question? And she's like, sure. I was like, how long have you been working here? She's like, oh, a couple of months. And she had a little weird look in her eyes. So we were like, hey, we're not hitting on you. It's not what we're doing. And Mark was like, we're, we're, we're pastors and we're trying to understand something and maybe you can help us. And she said, okay. So we were like, um, have you, do you work on Sundays? And she was like, yeah, a lot of Sundays. And I was like, how do the people that are coming from church, how do they treat you? And you can see her expression kind of change. And we were like, it's okay, just tell the truth. And she was like, well, they kind of suck. <laughs> they don't tip good. They're impatient. They're, they're like mean-spirited. And Lord help you if you tell them that, you know, it's going to be a little bit while because the kitchen's backed up and then they don't want to wait. And not a single one of them will ever say thank you. This, this is all coming from her. Not a single one will ever say thank you. But yet these are the people who say, hey, we're supposed to love God and love others, and we want you to come to our congregation. Can you imagine going into a restaurant, spending like, you know, whatever, 30 40 $50, whatever, on a group of people, and, and you're eating, and you leave like a, a 50-cent tip, which is sad. Don't ever do that. And then you finish with, hey, why don't you come to our church? The person who you just demeaned and demoralized, you're like, hey, why don't you come to our church? How many people think they're going to show up on Sunday? Yeah, no. And not only is that a picture of Christians, for them, that's a picture of the way they see God. Right? So um, back to Hagar's story. So uh, Hagar left. She runs away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. 
It was a spring that is beside the road to shore. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Now, uh, a little side note, when you see the phrase angel of the Lord, that word angel means messenger. When you see angel from the Lord, that's just an angel. When you see angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ, especially if you see the angel do things attributable only to God, which is what we're going to see. So what most theologians believe, and as we'll see, that this is, this is literally Jesus speaking to her and showing up, right? So then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Again, another reason why they believe it's like God in the flesh or Jesus Christ, because angels don't do that. Only God has that power, that authority, and that capability. But then the angel of the Lord also said to her, you're now pregnant, you'll give birth to a son, you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He'll be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So despite the fact, right, that that, that she's been mistreated and she's even mistreated other people, and nowhere do we hear or read that she committed her life to God, God reaches out to her and says, hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. When he tells her to go back, it's not, hey, go back and, and, and deal with the harshness of that. It's not about that. When God tells us to submit to authorities, it's not about the authority. It's about acknowledging his supreme authority and what he can do in our lives, right? So she goes back and she says, she gave this name to the Lord. Again, she acknowledged this is God speaking to her, not just an angelic being. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that phrase, God who sees me, is Jehovah Roy, the God who sees me, right? So Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. And Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So she goes back, she bears a son, she shares the story with Abraham, and he names the child just what the angel told him to do. But then their story continues, right? Chapter 21, the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised. And again, it wasn't about God keeping her from having a child. It was about God wanting them to understand that when you do have a child, it's not going to be because of what you did. It's going to be because of what I do through you. So he waited until she was way past childbearing age or capability to have a child so that no one could say, oh, well, this was just what they did. But they would know that this is what God did, right? But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking when it says mocking, uh, there's, there's a phrase uh, that's used in the Hebrew that doesn't just mean mocking or belittling or demeaning or making fun of. It might mean being aggressive with physically. And we don't know if he was hurting him or pushing him around or doing the older brother thing or whatever. But here's another question. If he was, even if he was belittling him and demeaning him, where do you think he learned that from? From that whole cycle of mistreatment of people that was going on in that household. 
And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son. Now, this is the really hard part for me, what we're about to read. It says, early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy, and she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Now, just to give you a little bit of background, right, because this, this is important. Back when Abraham's nephew Lot got kidnapped, Abraham went with his entire household to rescue him. And the Bible tells us at that time, this is before Ishmael was born, at that time that Abraham had 300 servants that made up his household. And when it says 300 servants, that means 300 people and their family members. So Abraham was wealthy. Again, not Jeff Bezos wealthy, not David and Solomon wealthy, because they were like beyond Jeff Bezos rich or beyond like that level of rich. But he had money. He's like, picture two or three congressmen who are millionaires, put them together. He had that kind of wealth. He had a couple of mansions. He had a jet. He had limos. He had, you know, movie theater in his basement, all that cool stuff that we all want. And he had some Teslas probably. I mean, if that existed back then. So he had all that. But when he sent her away, he sent her away with a bottle of water and a couple of sandwiches. He didn't send her to a women's shelter. He didn't send her to another village. He could have sent her away and said, hey, you know what? It's not working out here, but you are technically my wife. This is technically my son. So I'm going to send you guys with a couple of servants. I'm going to send you guys with enough cattle and sheep and donkeys so that you can start your own life. But he didn't do that. He literally sent her away with a bottle of water and like a Subway sandwich, right? So she goes out, and when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. And the reason she thought he was going to die is because they were in the desert. There wasn't a 7-Eleven where they could go get food. They couldn't call anyone to help them. There was no one around for miles. So for as far as she knew, this is it. And even though the boy was a teenager, uh, God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God, again, called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies here. Lift the boy up. Take him by the hand. I will make him into a great nation. And again, this is despite the way that they were treated, despite all that they went through, despite how, um, even though, yeah, she, she, she added a little bit of uh, uh, responsiveness and her toxicity as well once she became pregnant. But despite all that, nowhere do we see God condoning treating people like that. What we see is every single time she is mistreated and runs off, God comes in and comforts her, encourages her, and says, I'm going to bless you. And then later we find out he directed them towards some water and the boy went off and fulfilled all that God said for him. So here, here's the truth. The Bible doesn't reflect God condoning, mistreating one another. It just reflects the ugly truth that men and women are demeaning to women. It's not that God condones it. 
It's just that God, yeah, this, this is the way that humanity is. But it also reflects the big biblical truth that God encourages, protects, and blesses women. Whether they're mothers, whether they're single mothers, whether they're parents who are just trying to get life right, whether they're women who, who just feel like, I can't make it here at home, and so they go out on their own, God doesn't demean them, nor does he ask us to do that. Instead, he asks us to be the place where they can come to and they can feel comfort, they can feel supported, and where they can feel loved. So as the, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going uh, to sing one more song. But as they do, uh, I'm going to share this last verse. Because this is what it says uh, in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Every single person who puts their, their faith in God, God says, hey, now you're one of my children. And for all of you who were baptized in the Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. And that's just a term that means, hey, if you claim to be a Christian, then when people see you, they should see what Jesus would do to them or say to them or the way he would treat them. So if they see me and they see me cursing someone out because I didn't get my burger done the way I did it, then their expectation is, well, that's how your God is. If they see me, and they see me demeaning and belittling someone in an argument, then their understanding is, that's how your God is. But when they see you, and they see you treating other people with love and respect and honor, even when they don't give that to you, then they sit back and think, wow, that must be how your God is. A God who loves people and cares people. And this is why it says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And it's not breaking down any gender laws. It's just saying, hey, every wall of division that humanity puts up, racial, financial, cultural, religious, when we become one in Christ, all those walls get broken down and we are united together. And if we're united together by the love of Christ, then we're supposed to treat other people with the love of Christ. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. God, we acknowledge that there are people in our circles of influence who deserve and are longing for and looking for your love. Not just the people who may not have had a mother in their life, but just the people who are hurting. The people who have been mistreated, they've been hurt, they've been demeaned, they've been belittled at work, they've been made fun of at home, maybe in school, especially in the workplace. And we are the only Jesus that they will ever see in their life. So we pray that you give us that spirit to treat them the same way that you treat us because the Bible says that while we were enemies of God, that he sent his son to die for us, that he loved us that much. And I pray that we, as we interact with people wherever they are, that we are also able to break down all of those walls of division and treat them with the love of Christ and we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, 
crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.